This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty Podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty. No yelling on the bus. There was yelling. There was screaming. There was stuff being thrown on the bus. A lot of buses. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Good evening, everybody. Hard to steal along with Giselle and Joel talking to you about the world of sports. And if we're talking about local sports today, it's been, in a word, <laughs> brutal. Everybody's lost. Everybody. And we'll talk to you about it at 1-800-919-3776. We'll begin where Dan Grasser and Greg Butler just left off with the New York Jets. Now, I will admit to you, that there were serious reservations and concerns about this game when I found out that the red rifle was going to be back into the contest. I know he's been hurt. I know he's been struggling. I know that this was a scenario where this was not the rookie quarterback. This was not the quarterback who was lost. This was not the quarterback who was going to be in there who had trouble reading defenses. This was not the same quarterback that had been struggling with the Cincinnati offense. This was indeed Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton was not great. Remember, he was benched. He had been struggling. But once again, if you're talking about what energy and confidence brings to the table, all you have to do is go back and see what Sam Darnold coming back to the Jets did. It gave that team new life. It gave that team a confidence that they could go out and beat the Jets. But that's not the only reason the Jets lost. Part of the reason the Jets lost was some of the old issues came back to bite them again. Like penalties. 10 for 106 yards. And Key penalties in key moments. Drive stoppers. Drive continuers. They were awful. The offensive line regressed today. The offensive line, not good. Not good. Sam Darnold constantly under pressure. Sacked four times. This was not the offensive line we saw against the Oakland Raiders last week. This was not the offensive line we even saw the past two weeks against Washington and the Giants, respectively. This was the offensive line we saw against the New England Patriots. This was the offensive line that we have thought had taken a step forward. This was the offensive line that did not give Sam Darnold time to throw. This was the offensive line that killed the Jet offense. Defensively, They couldn't stop anything. They couldn't get pressure on Dalton. He got the ball. He released the ball quickly. Secondary was playing soft. Teams had a lot of guys open. And that's the reason why the Jets lost this game. And special teams, again, brutal. Brutal. You don't give give Cincinnati a short field. All game, Cincinnati had a short field. The kicker can't consistently, freaking can't consistently kick the ball into the end zone on kickoffs. 
I mean, on one, it was fielded at the 15. How do you think that worked out for field starting position for Cincinnati? Really good. This is a horrible loss for the Jets. 1-800-919-3776. Let's talk about the Giants. Now, let's be honest. We can be honest. Giant fans, you did not expect the Giants to win against the Green Bay Packers today. You didn't. You knew Green Bay was going to be hostile after being just manhandled in their last loss. So you knew that they were going to come in here and they were going to be angry. And if anything, though, I will say, since MetLife Stadium looked like Lambeau Field with all the snow, maybe you thought you had a possibility of doing a better job early because of the fact that, you know, with the offense and the passing game where the Giants struggle with the slippery field and conditions, maybe you get into a battle of the run game and maybe that helps you out. No such luck. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdown passes in the snow, finished 21 of 33 for 243 yards, no picks. On the other side, Daniel Jones, and this was a tough day for him. He had not thrown an interception in his last two games through three today. The best, the best news for the Giants today was Saquon Barkley. He rushed 19 times for 83 yards. He looked the best he's looked since he's come back from the injury. But once again, for the Giants, the issue is, as it has been all year, not Daniel Jones, although Daniel Jones did not help himself by turning the football over. There's no doubt about that. But the issue was, as it has been, the defense. Picking on the inexperienced secondary, no pass rush to protect said secondary, and Aaron Rodgers, who was a master. Aaron Rodgers, who ran, extended the play, found people, made some made some really nice throws. It was, it was just tough for the Giants. There was no way the Giants were going to beat this team today. There's no way. The Giants had no shot. And they ended up losing by the score of 31-13. 1-800-919-3776. listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to the phones. Let's begin with Sam and Flatbush. Sam, you're up first on The Drive. Larry, what's going on? What's up, Sam? How was your Thanksgiving, my friend? Great. A lot of turkey. But after that turkey, it looks like the Jets had too much turkey. Two quick points. <laughs> yes. One is, I don't think Sam Donald played that badly. You know, it's a couple of good, you, you took out something good from the fact that he was under pressure. He got sacked a lot, but he didn't throw any picks. That's mm-hmm. showing that's showing that he's improving. Two, about the Giants is, remember when um, when Pat Sherman said that, that, that Saquon Barkley, oh, our doctors, our doctors, he might have ruined Saquon Barkley. He's lucky that Saquon Barkley's improving for the next game. He wanted to show off that his doctors, whatever, because he brought him back early. The last five weeks, Saquon Barkley looked like a piece of garbage. I will say this, Sam, and thanks for the phone call. He has indicated, and all weekend, and he bristled, bristled a little bit, okay, when people asked him about his injury this week when he spoke to the media. He's not happy about it. He's tired of talking about it. I get it. I understand. But you have to figure out there's something wrong with you because you weren't running the way that you normally run. You have set a standard, Saquon Barkley, against yourself that's pretty tough to match. You're a big-time playmaker. The moves, the speed, the ability to 
make a play from any part of the field, that's what we expect from Saquon Barkley. That's what we have not gotten from Saquon Barkley. He's been a little tentative. Maybe he's not injured. Maybe it's a situation where he was the ankles better, but he didn't have confidence that he could cut and do the things that he wanted to do on it. Maybe he did come back. In retrospect, maybe he did come back too quick. But nevertheless, when you're on the field, you have to try to produce. And some of the things that he really did that hurt the Giants was his quarterback pickup off the blitz. That was an issue. Today, he ran, he ran the ball better. Hopefully, this will be something that he can continue to go forward on and he can continue to improve. Mike's in the car. Mike, you're next on the drive. Hey, Larry. What's up, Mike? Hey, man. I just came from the Packers-Giants game, and I just want to say, as a Packer fan, and uh, one of my best buddies, John, he had a free ticket. He said, he asked me if I wanted to go. I said, of course. I've never been to an NFL game in my life. I've never felt more invited to, uh, you know, to an opposing team ever in my entire life. Everybody was very friendly. Giants and Packers fans always get together. I love the matchup forever. I just want to say how friendly Giants and Packers fans are together. No matter who wins, we all had fun. All right, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And obviously with a Packer win, that made you feel a little better. I am happy that Giant fans were respectful of the Packer fans. But if I were a Giant fan, I would not be happy that you were inviting. Because if you went to Lambeau Field in Green Bay, you would not feel inviting. You know what I'm saying. I don't mean rude. I don't mean being disrespectful. It's not what I'm talking about. But he sounded like he was at a home game. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the in the opposing stadium. You're not supposed to be inviting. (laughs) Respectful. Tough day. Listen, you got the better team today. Great. But inviting makes it seem like, well, you know, I just came in and I went to the refrigerator, got what I wanted to eat and went and took care of everything, moved the furniture around and everything. No, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm -mm. Nope. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast on 98.7 ESP. You know, again, this is uh, this, this National Football League. Uh, guys take pride in their job on both sides of the ball. Uh, both teams uh, play their individuals um, to, to go out and execute. And they executed better than we did today. Offensive lineman Kelvin Beecham on the Jets' inability to run the football. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Jets. 17 carries for 62 yards. Le'Veon Bell was the top guy, 10 carries for 32. So the Jets averaged about 3.6 yards per carry. Defensively, they continue to do what they've been able to do. Be number one against the run. 25 carries, 44 yards. Joe Mixon, 19 carries for 44. Giovanni Bernard had one carry for four. And then Andy Dalton had five carries for minus four, so that took away the four that you, that the Bernard had. So 25 carries, 44 yards, 1.8 yards per carry. After the game, Rich Amini reports on that on ESPN.com that Jamal Adams indicated that he had a, an injury to his foot earlier in the game. Not making excuses because he's not a guy that normally does, but he indicated that... Um, you know, he couldn't perform as himself. He hurt his left foot in the first series, played all but one defensive snap. 
but had a quiet game, just one tackle, and you wondered why you didn't see a lot of blitzing, and you know how good he's been. He's been the edge pass rusher for the Jets during this streak. He's been the guy that has been the emotional guy on both sides. He's been the guy that's made some big plays. He's been the guy that's kind of really spurred on that defense over these past the past three games that the Jets won and looked very well. And so you knew something was up, whether he was schemed out. or Obviously, I know that Cincinnati had their eye on him because he's been such a disruptive influence for opposing offenses the past three weeks. So you understood that he had to be contained. And the injury did it kind of, it helped them out. Uh, but once again, nobody stepped up to take the, uh, to take the mantle to try to protect this game. And that was the situation with the Jets. As far as the Giants were concerned, well, once again, it's, it's a defense that has struggled. It's a defense that's continuing to get better, trying to get better. It's a defense that because of their young secondary, everybody's going to pick on. It's a tough situation when you have so many young players in the secondary in one position, in one area of your team. That inexperience, you know, with an experienced quarterback, you can only scheme but so much. And I know that uh, Coach Belcher has been coming under a lot of scathing criticism because of the way the defense is played. But it's very hard to blitz and put those young corners on an island when you know that they don't have the experience. And that was one of the reasons why the team lost. Giants played hard. They always play hard. They don't always play smart, and they don't always communicate. And that was the issue today. And against a veteran quarterback and a team that needed this win, you knew this was going to be tough sledding for the Giants today. And Daniel Jones did something and give, listen, give Green Bay's defense credit here because Daniel Jones had not turned the football over in the past two games as far as through the interception. Had three today. So give them, uh, give the Green Bay defense credit for showing him some things that he had not seen, that he thought they were one thing and they were clearly something else. And he did a great job. So, you know, Green Bay's defense, you tip your cap to them. 1-800-919-3776. Pat Shermer, how concerned are you with this loss today? I'm always concerned when we don't win, right? And this is another feeling question, you know? And, you know, I'll feel better when we win games. That's if, you, if you're wondering how I feel. I feel a lot better when we win games. And, you know, I, I do see, you know, you – you get an opportunity to watch us probably 20 minutes a day and you report on it. And this is a historically young team that's going out there and competing against some really good football teams. And we've got to do what we have to do to win games. And I understand that. And But they also are developing. And at some point, we'll be good enough to win. It's tough. When you have a young team, it means you don't have margin for error. And this team doesn't have a lot of margin. They've got a young, especially in, on the defensive side of the football. And they really need somebody in that, on that offensive front to give them a shot in the arm and, and put some pressure on the quarterback. Now it's very tough against a, a seasoned veteran quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who many consider, you know, if not the best, one of the best in the league right now. And he just extended plays, extended plays when they took players away from him, but you know, receivers, he just ran the football. He, there was nothing they could really do. And you really needed, so you really needed to try to get into an offensive shootout in a situation like that. And that's a lot to put on a young player like Daniel Jones. 20 of 37, 240 yards and a touchdown, but three interceptions. 
Here was his thought on his performance today. Making progress. I think, um, you know, obviously there's still a lot to, to work on, and, and I understand that. But, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm improving, and, and the challenge is to... Um, you know, to, to continue to do that, but do it do it faster and, and uh, you know, play, play more consistently. And what he's got to do is go back to the film room and look at the defenses and look at what he thought was there and what was really there. And you learn. And you go back and you try not to make the same mistakes again. And give him credit as far as the interception part of it. He had done a nice job. He hadn't thrown interceptions in two games. It's pretty good. So you take the positives. He didn't fumble the ball today, didn't give it up, threw an interception, threw three of them. That's not good. So he's now got to go back and, you know, put the complete game together. And that's going to be his next challenge uh, as they prepare for their next contest, which is going to be in Philadelphia next week on a Monday night. It's not going to be easy. But, you know, this is what you do. This is how you learn. This is what the National Football League is. Week after week, you try to improve, get better, take what you can from the loss, see what they did. Okay, I've seen that. Nobody's going to do that against me again, and you move on. That's what you have to do. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. Larry, did you see the move Lamar Jackson made on the uh, defensive back on San Francisco? I time? did. Wow. Gail Sears, Barry Sanders, they would have been proud. They would have. Yeah. Wow, tremendous talent. Any, tremendous didn't come talent. even close to the no. guy. And no. that was a tight space, too. It was. It oh, was. that was beautiful to watch. Listen, you know, it's funny, the Jet game, as funny as this is going to sound, mm-hmm. I thought in the first half the Jets were playing okay. Now, toward the end of the half, they're down 10-3, and uh, they throw that long pass down the center of the field, uh, uh, Cincinnati, Dalton. Mm-hmm. That, that play, the interference, it could have been either a no call because it was incidental contact, or it could have been offensive interference. How they called that penalty on the Jet defender made no sense. I think that let all the, sa- the uh, steam out of the sail for the Jets, really. that real. I saw that happen. Even though it, the Jets came back and got the field goal right before the half, that made it 17-3, and then they got the field goal 17-6. I thought the game was over there because that was a terrible call, terrible call. I don't know why it wasn't reviewed. I guess there's some rule I can't review that. It it wasn't even close to being defensive interference. Larry, what do you think? You know, Richard, thanks for the phone call. It's a great point. And and you you look, and it just depends on the officiating crew. There's some officiating crews that you have to be looking back if you're a defender towards the football. And if you're looking back towards the football and you run into the receiver or you do something, they won't call pass interference. Then there's some crews that if you're not looking, if you're defending your player and you're defending the receiver, and even if you put your hand up, they will call pass interference. It's just, it is, it is, we still, (laughs) even with the situation in New Orleans last year in the postseason, we still can't figure out consistently what pass interference is depending on the crew. And there were a couple of calls in this game that you wonder about. And and once again, because you're not looking back, and I've spoken to a number of corners, and it's funny, they are taught to to do both, actually. They're taught to look back and then stay with your stay with your receiver so you understand positioning and where the where the player is at all times. So you have to know where the ball is and know where the player is. So they really want you to do both. But for the most part, it just seems as though depending on the crew, whether you 
don't look back. Look back. Touch him. Both, both guys could be, both guys could have hand play, the receiver and the defender. Some, 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 uh, officials will not call anything. Some will call pass interference. It just needs to be consistent so we all understand what is going on. That's what we need. This is the Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast on 98.7 ESP. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a Hour number two. It's the Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Not good. Not good. This was not a good day for local teams. Jets lose. Giants lose. Nets lose. Knicks lose. Speaking of the Knicks, they lose to the Boston Celtics, 113-104. David Fisdale, what do you see from this team right now? I think we're becoming a better basketball team. Um, Like I said, we got our whooped in Toronto and sometimes that's going to happen to the best of them uh, doesn't matter who you are uh, but if you look at our games against everyone else we, we, we either won one or two there and then every single other game we were right there competing to, for a chance to win and that was uh, the big thing we were fighting for is getting to be more consistent and, and giving ourselves a chance to be more competitive alright coach here's my bottom line for me you play better in spurts, but when it comes down to the final minutes, the story does not change. You've got a car full of passengers and no driver. That's the issue with this team. There's no finisher on this team. There's nobody to direct what happens when they struggle. Let's see what Wally and Allen have to say. They're next. Check them out. It's just absolutely maddening. The Knicks are done for the evening. Time for the ride home. Wally's mad at me because I'm getting on the Grand Central when he's not reading the signs that say that there are two lanes closed by the Clearview. Oh, okay. Why didn't you take the Grand Central? You know, if you just let me finish. See, Larry, I told you he was in a bad mood. You're driving home with Alan and Wally. Hi, Larry. On ESPN New York tonight. As they do, out of the kindness of their heart, after their phenomenal work on MSG, after the Nick uh, pre-halftime and post-game, it is... Alan Hahn, and for the first time this season with me, Wally Zerbiak. Happy Thanksgiving, boys. How are you? What's up, Larry? It's going to be the last time if you make us wait four minutes to come on. Uh-oh. Wow. Yeah, he was not happy about that, Larry. We had to hear Fisdale again, and you wanted to go into a little diatribe, and we're, like, battling bad weather on the road, and his Instagram followers have been waiting about four minutes to get on the air, so... Let's go, Larry. We got to get cranking. Let's go. All these, all these close losses got me in a little bit of a cranky mood here. Uh, we got to figure out a way to win some close games, Larry. And then there's the Jets. And then there's the Jets. There's well, the Jets. Wally, I'm sorry, but you know you haven't been around, so I got lax. You know, oh, Alan and I, we have a rapport. You know, Alan and I, we just chit chat. You know, all the time. You, you know, you forsook us. You just left. You know, but yeah. it's okay. We, yeah, we still time. love you, Wally. Wally. I see it. I see we it. still love you. Wally, we still love you. Let's get into this. All right, guys, look. You heard, you heard from me. You see it every single game. Six minutes to go, this game is tied. Then, then over a five-minute stretch, they score five points. The game is over. What can change? We know that point guards don't grow on trees. We know one's not walking through that door tomorrow. What can change, guys? How do we get some wins? Huh? Well, you gotta find, you gotta find some more 
high IQ players who are brain transplants. Yeah, who are competitors. Um, they're listen, competitive. But you can't. Yeah, that's what I mean. Brains and basketball yeah, like this, you. You got to get some guys. Some of these guys. Because it, it's amazing that we keep saying this. Like, first of all, the free throws we've talked about. Another game where you miss double-digit free throws in a game you lost by single digits. So you're giving games away at the foul line. That's number one. Number two, but, and again, that to me, that's mental. That's and that's what I keep talking about. High IQ is not just making the smart play; it's also just being mentally tough, staying locked in, overcoming things like fatigue and adjustments by the other team. All the all the Celtics did was the same thing the Sixers did. They cranked it up when it mattered right. most in winning time. Yep. Put some pressure out there. Sent some body. They, they they worked harder because it was winning time. And the, the, the Knicks don't have one or two dynamic players who can overcome that, who can make a shot, who can you know stem the tide, who can stop momentum, whatever it is, who can make the right play. They just don't. And their best player, or at least highest paid player, is not that guy. He, he can give you points, 26 points. He can give you, you know, stuff with stats that you could say, okay, well, he's getting it done. But when it matters most, can he get it done? And, the, and he's been answering that. So we're a quarter into the season. The answer is no. He's not that guy. So they've got to find that guy, and he's not on the roster. Wally? Well, are you done talking yet? Okay. I, 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 that's my take. Was that your monologue right there? Yeah, I'm done. You're good. Your turn. My take is just you need smarter basketball players at the end of the game. Yep. You need guys that are going to get crafty, that are going to make those little winning plays. And it starts at the point guard position. You need a point guard that at the clutch moments, like Sam Cassell used to be, yep. like – you know, Steph Curry is, like Damian Lillard is, they say, I got this. I'm taking over the game. I'm going to make plays. I'm going to make shots. I'm going to get the ball in the right guy's hand. Right. I see who's hot, who's not on a given day. I, I make a move. I drive. I break down the defense in order to get that guy a good look at the basket. They don't always go one-on-one. To me, the hardest play in basketball is the guard. So you got to just run high pick and roll at the end of the game. I agree. The time. Space the floor, yep. high pick and roll. If someone like Randall has a mismatch that you feel like you can exploit, fine. But you have to trust your point guard. You have to trust him to come off that screen, attack the basket, or pull up and take a three, or try to break down the defense and get in the paint and find a shooter. You have to simplify the game at the end of the game. You just got to make winning plays, and that's how it's got to be done. And so far, the Knicks haven't been able to figure that out. They haven't been able to find a guy that can make those clutch plays down the stretch of games. So, it's been really frustrating and costing them. And now, 4-16, you know, you're 12 games under 500. It's getting to a tough point. Yeah. Wally, players look at video all the time. Coaches look at video all the time. Why are we, in your opinion, why are we seeing the same mistakes? Listen, the, the lineups are, are, are rotating in and out. And some guys just can't grasp and comprehend watching video. And they can't translate it to the game when it's a pressure cooker moment. Yeah. That's why the grades are great. You revert to bad habits. You revert to bad habits. You don't have the, the ability to retain what you're told and what you're taught yep. when pressure is on. And when the defense picks up their defense. I mean, it's easy to do it in practice or in shoot-around. It's easy to execute. But when the defense is there and it's a, it's a really important moment of the game, can you fight through mentally what the other team was trying to take away from you? And right now, it's up to the players to do it. And as a coach, you're only as smart as your point guard. Your point guard is an extension of you out there on the floor. He's got to be your brains as a coach. And right now, the Knicks don't have a guy that Coach Bisdale can trust to execute at the end of games. 
Alan, is it time for, and, and I know Coach Fisdale has shuffled the lineup over and over and over again. I mean, what else can he do down the stretch? Do we need to no. see? Cause everybody wants Alonzo Trier on, on the, on the floor. Uh, is yeah, there something get, that needs to be done? He, uh, I mean, look, I don't know how much of a difference it makes because you're still dealing with the same key players. You know, this isn't a bottom of the roster issue, although I will submit that I, I don't understand the Trier sitting and Ellington playing thing. I don't get that. I, I mean, uh, if it's because Ellington's a vet and he knows where to be defensively and that helps you, okay. But I then then, then, then send Trier to the G League so he can figure out whatever the issues are. Uh, if he's got problems with defense, and send, let him get some game experience in the G League so he can fix those problems because I know he can score. And I know he's a guy that can get to the basket and finish, but that's not really the the, the the biggest concern. Is that it's the top of the roster that is hurting you, not the bottom, because they're in games. Again, this is the Larry. This is the ninth game out of the fifteen losses or sixteen losses. It's the ninth game they've lost by nine or fewer points. So those are all winnable games that you lost because you missed free throws. That's a big part of it too. But it's also because it's a failure to execute. And a failure to execute is your most important players late in games. So that's a top-of-the-roster issue. And I keep going back to it. It's not saying that this guy sucks. It's saying that this guy's just not good enough to be what you need him to be. And they've got to recognize that. And as we get closer to December 15th, I think it's something you've got to acknowledge and be able to make adjustments and make quick decisions instead of compounding the problem. You know, some things aren't going to get better with time. Some things are what they are. And so what this team is lacking is at the very top of the roster, and they've got to find it somewhere, somehow. Wally, is it is it a scenario that because of these situations that they have come up failing so much that they almost look for that failing situation to come up late in games that, you know, here we go again. How are we going to find a way to, how are we going to find a way to lose this one? Because it's, it's a similar pattern. We keep talking about this over and over again. Can't ever let that creep into your mind. That's what athletes as a player. If you let that happen to you, you're done. It's just the worst thought you can possibly have. You need to have, you need to go into every game, every close situation, thinking that you're going to make the plays to get this done no matter what. And it's got to kill you as an individual and as a team if you're not getting, executing and getting it done. You just got to look in the mirror and say, how do I get it done? And there's, no, there's no X's and O's that can help you. It's just sheer will at the end of games. And that's what separates the greats from the not goods. And the Knicks have got to figure out a way to turn this trend around. They can't let that creep into their minds. And they cannot ever have those types of thoughts. Well, let me ask you this. And, Larry, I'm curious about this, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't this a point of the season now when you've lost this much and the way you've lost? That I want to see, like when you want to say, oh, you can't get frustrated, you got to just. But actually, do I want to see frustration? What what Wally just said was kind of interesting. That that it has to bother you, right? It has to really affect you. And I don't know if I've seen enough of that. I think it bothers the coach more oh, than anyone. That's, it's bothering the it's bothering the fans more than anyone. Yeah. There's more passion outside of the team than inside the team. Yeah, like I'd like to see a player or two after one of these games instead of just droning on to Rebecca Harlow about oh, adjustments and uh, no, I'd like to see somebody actually show me you freaking care because I don't know if you're seeing enough of that. There's too much of that. Too cool. Don't show emotion. Everything's fine. We'll figure it out. No, I don't want to see that. What I want to see is no. I'm tired of this. We're tired of losing, and it's got to change. Somebody show me that this is bothering you. 
Because right now it doesn't feel like the players, or at least some of them, especially key ones, really care that much about what's going on here. As if, well, well, I'm on the Knicks and I'm new here, but this is what the Knicks have been about for the last six years, so I guess this is just how it's supposed to be. Who's going to change it? Who's the difference maker? And why is it R.J. Barrett, the 19-year-old, is the only one that looks pissed off after games? Yeah, and, and also Marcus Morris. Got yeah, Morris. Yeah, I, and Morris and didn't play tonight, so I didn't see it. So you're right. Yeah, That's a great Marcus point. Morris, you can tell he cares. Mar- he Mitch, Mitchell game. Robinson looks angry. He's fouling everybody because he just wants to get out of the damn game. Yeah, but that's just dumb. Well, I know it's dumb. Like, that's the problem. But at least he's mad. But he's the dumb fouls. I got he's, you. But right. at least he's mad. I agree. Let's start with getting mad. But let's start with getting mad. <laughs> I mean, somebody Murphy. show me you care. Just uh, yeah. throw a towel. Something. Like, <laughs> like Jesus. Like, you know, you're, you're getting $20 million to play a game of basketball, and you're losing epically. Should, shouldn't you at least one time think to yourself, you know, this isn't good. i got a problem. I don't like this. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20 games in. Uh, we got I know. I'm ready. 62. Bring it. Oh. I'm ready. Oh. I've been go. through it. I've Let's been through go. these battles. I'm fine. Bring I'm it. built for this. And while it gets easier, and while it gets easier, at Milwaukee tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the last time they lost. Yeah. That seems rolling. Yeah, it'd be great. Well, you know, whatever. By the way, they're coming out of the East. The Bucks? Yeah, they're yeah, they're, yeah, they're that good. They're I'm with you. They are that good. Oh, they're winning it all. Yeah, I think they're winning it all. You think that? You think that? I got to see it. Stand I got way? I didn't say it. No, no. I, winning it all. Joel, lazy Embiid is going to stand Wally, in the way. Wally can't stand Embiid. Uh, wait, wait. Uh, I'm not. Uh, you said win it all, meaning the championship. Yes. Over like over the Clippers, over the the, the yeah. Lakers, over the Rockets. Yeah. All right. The, well, over the, the Rockets, Rangers, yeah. Rockets, they're all going to beat each other up out there. Yeah, I mean, I mean they they're probably will. To the, uh, yeah. AD and LeBron, I mean, it's, it's really tough for them to hang in there. I know. Especially because, to me, the Clippers, once you get the playoffs, the way they play, I mean, that's a deep team. They're yeah, going to foul you like crazy and just beat you up. I kid you, Wally, great to have you back. Absolutely, Larry. It's been a pleasure. Can somebody block for Darnold? No. That's a whole other story. <laughs> oh, my God. Larry, this will be a long ride, Wally. Line? Have you ever this seen an offensive line lose a game I was all by themselves? Darnold and fantasy. Oh. Good thing they laid an egg. But by themselves, oh. they lost that game. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they revert it back. If you, if you take a call, if you take a caller tonight, if you take a caller tonight that says Sam Darnold is the problem, hang up on him. Hang up on him and block the number. <laughs> Haven't had that. Everybody's been killing the offensive line because oh, Allen has been God, the offensive line all year. It really has. How many? Really how, has. how many penalties can you take because you're just shaking every time? Because you know the Bengals came in. They came in just thinking we're gonna we're gonna kick your butt. They yep. came in ready for a fight, and the Jets' offensive line was not ready. Was period not ready to play? They came in embarrassing, and it cost them the whole game from the slightest scrimmage. Le'Veon Bell had a run called back because of a stupid holding penalty. So right. you got one dude who grabbed the guy by the leg and just laid on him. What and are held you doing? And wrapped his leg. <laughs> so he what couldn't get doing? up again. <laughs> the best tackle they made all game. <laughs> uh, Alan and Wally, thanks so much, guys. We'll, we'll catch you down the road. Travel safe. All right. That's <laughs> Alan Hahn and Wally Zerbiak. Wow. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast on 98.7 ESP. 
It's the drive on 987 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Hardest the top of the hour. Then it is football frenzy here on 98.7. Before we get to the calls, it's time to talk to our guy, Joel, who has your fantasy studs and duds for the football week number 13. Yeah, well, it was a rough day for our local teams. Hopefully not quite as bad for your fantasy teams. So anybody who was lucky enough to start more than one of my studs, chances are you won this week. But if you started in one or more of my duds, chances are your season's about over. <laughs> so let's get started with our quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, my fantasy stud at quarterback. He went 21 for 33 this week, 243 yards, four touchdowns, 24 rush yards. That's 28 points for the 99% owned superstar. Uh, this is following you know, three straight games of less than 13 fantasy points. So for your owners who have Aaron Rodgers, he got you back in the game. My quarterback dud this week, Kyler Murray, also widely owned 97%, and he's the sixth-ranked player this season in fantasy, but he had just 93 pass yards in an INT and only five rush yards for two points in that 34 to seven drubbing to the Los Angeles Rams. Surprising for Murray uh, is the is the rushing yards there only five, Joel. That's that's not where he's uh, that, that's not Kyle Kyler Murray like. That's where he's paid off for his fantasy owners so far this season. Whether the throwing numbers have been there or not, he's always balanced it with rush yards. Yep, and and I can't believe Aaron Rodgers have been struggling three straight games with less than thirteen fantasy points. Man, he was due. Exactly, and you know, you know, he's always going to come through when you need it. And for fantasy owners, you know, week thirteen is right around that time. You're either about to start your fantasy playoffs or you've already started them. Let's move over to running back. Uh, this is a name we haven't heard much here. Darius Geis, he had a huge day in that win over Carolina. Just 41% owned, and he had only put up 14 and 7 and seven points, respectively, as his high. So he rushed only 10 times, but went for 129 yards with two scores, two catches, eight yards, 27 points in that win over Carolina. My dud is somebody who's usually on the stud side. Mark Ingram, he's also widely owned 99%. And in his previous two games, he scored four times, one rushing, three reception. Today, 15 rushes, 59 yards, two catches, three yards for only eight points. So not quite living up to what he did the last two weeks, but he was part of that win. Well, listen, and, and yeah, it's got to be it's got to be tough because you're rooting for your team to win, but he doesn't do well for you in fantasy. And you're like, well, OK, well, we won the game, but I wish he had get me some more fantasy points. And this, as you mentioned, this is weird for him because normally he's he's on the other side. Or he's on the studly side. But uh, today, one of those days for him. But Darius Geis, outstanding. Ten rushing yards, 129 yards, two, two scores and caught the ball for eight yards. And then he went ran out and sold popcorn to halftime, right? Oh yeah, I mean Washington's been waiting for something like this. Hey, they gotta they gotta be excited about something. Dwayne Haskins Definitely. hasn't quite uh, turned into it, yeah. so right now their youngster is Darius Geist. Dwayne Haskins will come in time. Wide receivers, my fantasy stud is Devonte Parker. He went seven catches, 159 yards, and two scores. Led all scorers with 34 points in that 37 to 31 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. He's 63 percent owned, and this was his ninth straight game with 11 or more points. So he's proving to have a really high floor. Somebody. Who want to keep employing. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. lands on my dud side. Just three catches for 29 yards. I know New Yorkers like to drub on him, so he gets my dud. Uh, he's 99% owned, and he was coming off a 20-point performance, so he definitely let a couple of fantasy owners down who were expecting to, for him to continue on his run. You know, it, it's strange because they got so many weapons on that Cleveland side, Joel, with the you know, at, at the receiving core and the tight end and the running back, you, you you really have to you roll your dice every week when you start him because you don't know if he's going to be the, the the target or not for a week. 
that wasn't always the case for him. It's amazing what a change of scenery will do. True. Lastly, our tight end position. Here's a name most of you probably have never heard. Tyler Higby went for seven catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown to lead all tight ends with 23 points for the Los Angeles Rams in their 34 to 7 win over Arizona. His previous high in points this season was 12 and 8. Uh, and that was pretty much in the only three games he put up points, and he was only 5% owned. So anybody who picked him up as a flyer this week definitely uh, helped their team to victory. And my fantasy dud is somebody who's actually been on the stud side for tight ends, Hunter Henry, just two catches, 10 yards, and three points in that loss to Denver. He's widely owned at 98%, and he's had over 10 points in the last three straight. So he definitely let a couple of fantasy owners down today as well. Tough day for Hunter Henry. Tough day. Well, it happens. It happens. He'll do better next week. Thank you, Joel. You're welcome. That's Joel with his fantasy studs and duds. He does it every show here on The Drive on 9870 ESPN. Let's get to the phones before we say goodnight to you. Let's go to Roger in Brooklyn. Roger, you're next on The Drive. How you doing, Larry? I'm all right, Roger. What's going on? I hear you fine. Yeah, man. I just wanted to talk about the Knicks a little bit, man. Okay. So, I mean, every time I watch the games, it just seems to me that it's just a bunch of dudes that come to the Garden of Meat whenever they have games and they play. They don't look like professionals to me. They don't, mm. they don't play with confidence, in my opinion. And it shows. It, it seems as if every time a team comes here, they already have, a, have the W against the Knicks because the players just don't exude that you know, to the fans, to me. And they don't play cohesively. Um, isn't that something that should be worked on in, in the coaching and in, in, in the filming and things like that? I just don't see it. Well, Roger, you're right. Thanks for the phone call. There's something that should be worked on in practice. It's something that I'm sure is discussed in every video session that uh, Coach Fisdale has with this team. And it's about them. It's about the transition. It's about them understanding and a- being able to take what they learn in practice and put it and execute it. On the basketball court. And the reason you don't see, the reason they don't appear to be confident to you is because they've only got four wins. So they haven't really tasted a lot of success. They've tasted, they know how to get leads. They know what to do during stretches and how to play to, to, to get that lead. What they don't know and what they've had trouble with doing is how to protect the lead and how to respond when teams come back. That's where they, that's where they lost. They haven't figured out how to respond. They haven't figured out how to take that body blow and what to do. They just, they just continue to take the body blow and, and they don't respond. And that's what you're seeing. That is the issue that comes with this team. And it's always late. It's late in games. They've had leads. That's the thing. They've had them. They've had leads. They just simply don't keep them. They blow them late. There's not a game as a Nick fan that you watch where this team has a lead that you expect that they will be able to close that game out in the fourth quarter and get a win. You just have no confidence in them. And even though I know what Wally Zerbiak said earlier when he joined us with Alan Hahn on the ride home and they talk about you can't think that way, and he's right. As a professional athlete, you can't think, oh, here we go again, because guess what? You will go there again. But I think they do. I think they lack confidence in the closing minutes because they haven't had success there. They don't know how to draw on recent success to say, okay, well, we've, we've done this late. We know what to do. Maybe twice against Dallas, that's it. They've got more examples in their memory of, of not executing down the stretch than executing down the stretch. Deshaun Watson with a touchdown. Houston leads New England 7-3 in the first quarter. Hi, Bruce from Flushing. You're next on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Bruce? 
I hear you fine, my friend. What's going on? Okay. I'm reading the tea leaves, Larry. Okay. And more, and more and more, I'm seeing Mr. Harbour coming to the Giants, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. This past weekend, yesterday, Ohio State kills Michigan again. You can't. I, you, I would expect the Michigan alumni don't want, doesn't want Harbaugh to come back. I'm sure. And even Harbaugh was very testy in the post-game press conference. Nobody has to get fired. It, they agree to a settlement, and and Mara sees his his Giants lose again. You got to figure at the, the last couple of games, it's going to be only maybe twenty five, thirty thousand people in the stands. And mm-hmm. if that happens, I see Mara saying, "This is my guy. He's strong. He's, he's a strong personality. Big on defense. And if you're Harbor, you got the quarterback, the running back. You can build the defense. He tried being to do it, at Michigan. It just didn't work out. That's interesting, uh, Bruce. I, I'm." And we know what he can do because he did wonders in Frisco when he was there, groomed a pretty good quarterback, did some things, you know, changed the quarterback play over there. So I, I can understand that, that he would be in the mix. But, uh, do you really, if, if the Giants win some games late in the season, does that save Sherman's job as, as a Giant fan? Or are you just done with Pat Sherman right now? I'm, I'm done. The question is, does it make a difference to Mara? I yeah. think, let's see how many fans like the last two home games. Mm-hmm. If there's going to be only 30, 35,000 people at the, at the home games, Schumer's done. You might be right, Bruce. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. 1-800-919-3776. Chris is in Manhattan. Hey, Chris, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. It's more like I'm underneath a rock. <laughs> I understand, Chris. We, I guess we just like winless teams, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, well, we got a lot Cleveland. of practice in them, huh? <laughs> I mean, Cleveland last year gave them yeah. their first win after, I don't know, what, a year and a half? Miami yeah. this year. Then yeah. today, penalties, man. The penalties killed dog on every really good positive play we had. Yep. Offensive line returned. It was like they returned right to form. You know, I mean, oh, goodness brutal. gracious. They were ghosts again. Mm-hmm. Um and um, Andy Dalton just look, looking just real comfortable back there. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, he should. There was no pressure on him. Yeah, exactly. There's no pressure. I mean, I mean come on. It's like, man, look. And, and see, here's the thing. Where's that, that Quentin Williams you? at, man? <laughs> I'm fat now, man. I got to say it at some point, man. <laughs> Uh, Jordan Jenkins, all y'all, man. I'm sorry, man. This is come on, man. And you, you would think that once, once they knew that Jamal Adams was compromised, then you have to send somebody else. Yeah, you and had to put some pressure on him. You had to send somebody you knew he was compromised. I, I understand the running. The, I'm sorry, the the offensive line wasn't great, but I mean, how many times during the telecast today are they going to talk about? How we seem to be running right at the Bengals' strength, which is the yep. interior line, mm-hmm. and we no no stretch run play or nothing like that. You know, come on, man. Or even what the pass I, in the flat. How about that? Pass in the flat, screen, whatever, yeah. man. But I mean, but then again, you know, once we hit that play, hey, there was going to be a yellow flag on the ground. You know, somebody was going to hold. You know, or. Illegal block in the back or something like, or or, or wrap the leg. 
Oh, man. <laughs> that's a new one. I'm sure it's happened before, but that's a yeah. new one. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that, and, that, and here's that the was... thing. It's on plays that you didn't need to do that. Yeah. The play had nothing to do with you. The guy was by you before you did that. The running back was gone. Yeah, it's just like the gift that keeps on giving with this offensive line sometimes, man. It's like, man, they had me dropping a tear because I was so proud of them last last mm-hmm. week. Now I'm just crying. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Don looking like he was running for his life again. Yeah, he was. He was. It was and a then what? And then we're going to go to Miami next week, right? Uh-huh. Now we now nah, nah, forget that man. We need to take care of business. Um, the, you know, uh, yeah, this one was this one wasn't good, man. Nope, but it wasn't. Your boy Cole Anthony is looking good. Yeah, but he's not helping me right now, Chris. Thanks for the phone call. He's looking good All for right. next year. <laughs> Thanks, but he's not, I need him right now to close some of these games. That's what I need right now. Thanks for listening to the Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts.